Good day, I'm Derek Fildebrand, publisher of the Western Standard. Today is May 5th, 2023, and you're watching the Alberta Report, our daily uh, coverage of the Alberta election campaign here. Uh, I'm joined as usual by Western Standard News Editor Dave Naylor and Western Standard Opinion Editor Nigel Hannaford. Good morning. We're going to be bringing in some of our reporters from across Alberta who are on the campaign trail following the big stories of the day. Uh, first, we're actually going to bring in Western Standard business reporter Sean Polzer, who has been covering the controversy over uh, the NDP's promise to make Alberta's electricity grid net zero uh, by, depending on what you mean, 2035 or 2040. Uh, the UCP, uh, UCP's candidates, uh, Brian Jean and Rebecca Scholes, two cabinet ministers as well, held a press conference in Calgary uh, about two days ago, uh, pointing to studies that say the uh, NDP's promise on this will cost $87 billion. Uh, and there's been some controversy around if that number is accurate or not. Um, we've gone back and forth trying to make heads or tails of it here at the Western Standard. Uh, it, it's a it's a fairly complicated issue to dive into, which is why we've put uh, our business reporter Sean Polzer on it. Sean, uh, you've uh, you've got a feature up today, kind of fact checking uh, this. Uh, and I guess your conclusion was eh, it depends on your interpretation. Am uh, am I right in that? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> The, there's no doubt that it is going to cost more money. And I guess the question is, is how much is ultimately going to be borne by the taxpayer, uh, whether or not it's appropriate to add $52 billion to $37 billion and go, or whatever it is and come up with $87 billion. And um, it depends on what is going to happen with the economy out to 2040. It's uh, depends on the carbon tax. Like, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and it's taken a little bit of effort to get my head around it. To be frank. Okay, but, but to be clear, uh, these numbers are not about taxpayers. They're about ratepayers, people paying for electricity in Alberta and costs to economic growth in our in our GDP. Um, so yeah, we're not talking about taxpayers here. I know most election promises are promises made with taxpayers' money, but there is a lot of things governments do that aren't taxpayers' money. I mean, uh, if you look, like, say, supply management and dairy, that's not a taxpayer cost, but that's a consumer cost created by government here. So uh, if we're just talking about costs created by government, uh, taxpayer or not, ratepayer, economy, et cetera, is the UCB correct in their $87 billion figure from these two studies that they're pointing towards? I think they are. Um, and like you said, uh, these are going to be indirect costs. Uh, they're ultimately going to be borne by people who buy electricity and uh, conduct business and do economic activity. But what's unclear is how much of that pie is going to be picked up by who okay. at the end of the day. So uh, if the allegation was that taxpayers are paying $87 billion, I want to make sure I get this correct. If the allegation is that taxpayers would pay $87 billion, the UCP would be incorrect. But if it is that ratepayers, people paying for electricity uh, and cost to economic growth will together make up $87 billion, then they're correct. Is, am I getting that right now? Um, 
Well, no. Yes and no. I I, I think it's going to be the overall economy. Is so if you, if you look at it in an overall macroeconomic context, then yeah, eighty-seven billion dollars. But uh, so fifty-two billion dollars is a capital cost. Uh, Thirty whatever billion dollars is more like an opportunity cost. So yeah, that, um, that, is, that is lowered economic growth from what is otherwise projected in its absence. Correct. Right. Yeah. So uh, I spoke with Megan over at uh, UCP and she explained it to me. She kind of walked it through and she compared it uh, to a bridge. So you build a bridge, it costs a billion dollars. The bridge falls down and you have to rebuild it. That costs a billion dollars. And then in the meantime, you've lost a billion dollars while the bridge, the bridge is being rebuilt. So that's how they came up with the $87 billion number and, and they added it all together. And so it, kind of has to be looked at more in a global context, I think, the 30,000 uh, foot view. So Dave, um, one way or another, like we're still trying to make heads or tails yeah. of this. Uh, I think it's fair to say at a minimum, the UCP has kind of muddled its own, its messaging on this. At, at, at best, it did not communicate correctly. Um, at worst, the NDP are saying, well, this was dishonest. This is not actually the case. Uh, what do you think the political fallout is going to be? Is this still a win for the UCP or do they just muddle their messaging too badly on it? Well, I mean, if, if Sean's confused, I'm confused, everybody's confused. Uh, you know, I'm a guy who failed uh, math 10. So, you know, all these figures make my head spin. And uh, I think the big, for me, the big thing is it, it, to try and predict the future is a mugs game. Uh, two was it two three years ago? We were all planning and excited for a five hundred and fifty million dollar event center. Now a couple years later, it's doubled. It's, it's one point two billion. So uh, trying to predict things out to 2040, 2035, uh, like I said, it, it is a mugs game. Uh, you know this this may be a, a UCP win, but I you know I think the average voter it's it's over their head. Uh, I want to go to you, Nigel. Um... How could the UCP have maybe done this differently? Like, they at least have, there is something here. How big that number is is disputed, or what it means is disputed. I think a lot of the confusion comes that most election promises are tax dollars. This is not a tax dollars thing. This is a ratepayers dollars and economic opportunities cost thing. Um, yeah. How do you think the UCP could have maybe communicated this better so that we didn't end up uh, kind of going back and forth about it for a few days trying to make heads or tails of it? Well, I think I appreciate their efforts to explain the numbers. But the, the key thing here is that a Notley government would introduce policy to decarbonize Alberta by some point in the future and that those costs are going to elevate the Cost, uh, the price that the individual uh, electricity consumer has to pay, whether it's at the house, whether it's the factory, whether it's at the charging station for the electric cars that we're all going to be driving, you will pay more for electricity because a Notley government has promised that it will make you pay more in order to decarbonize the Alberta economy. Is that what we want? Answer, no, of course it's not. So that, that would be the, like you get into these, these, the discussion we're having now was exactly the risk that they took. Uh, what Dave said just now, I mean, they're talking about 2035, it's now 2023, go back to 2011 and try and make 
any kind of a reasonable estimate as to how things are going to unfold in the world. Nobody knew COVID was coming. Nobody knew the Ukraine war. Everything is up for grabs. There is no way that they, anybody, ASO or the NDP, can. And by the way, the NDP says that ASO has overestimated the, the, mm-hmm. the cost. There's another uncertainty if you want one. But uh, Although the one thing I am generally willing to bet on, like the Calgary Event Center slash Arena yeah. Stadium, is that whatever your est- cost estimate is today, it's going to be bigger by the time it actually gets done. Absolutely. So, absolutely. That, that is, I, I can't tell you what the number will be, but I can tell you the trend line, and it's normally more expensive. And the answer to your question is that's what the UCP needs to point out. If, that the, if, this, if the NDP is allowed to do this, you will suffer for it. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us, Sean. Uh, we're going to turn now, I, I guess, t- kind of towards more of the media arena within, uh, within the campaign here. Uh, we're going to bring in the Western Standards, uh, one of our Calgary reporters here, Jonathan Bradley. Uh, he's got a story on the Standard right now. Um, now, s- some of you, uh, I-, I guess for a few elections now, uh, are probably familiar with the CBC's Vogue Compass. I can't resist it. I do it every time. It's fun because you get to you see where you fall graphically on the kind of the political compass, left, right, uh, socially and economically, and you see where the different parties fall. It's pretty imperfect, particularly if you're a libertarian, because the CBC's vote compass asks you what your opinion on things are, not what you think the government should do about it. Uh, so so it, it still has no way of calculating what the heck a libertarian is. But uh, that's neither here nor there. It's, but where they put the parties and... Uh, Jonathan, uh, quite a surprise, I guess, where the, um, the CBC puts the NDP on the political spectrum. Yes, it was interesting to, uh, do this story. One, the way for our viewers who haven't gone on Vote Compass and filled it out yourself, it shows that the Alberta NDP is in the center, about the center when it comes to social issues, but they're a little to the right when it comes to economic issues. And it shows that the Alberta NDP is further to the right than the Alberta Greens and the Alberta Party, while it's about the same as the Alberta Liberals. Yeah, so uh, I guess the long and the short of it is, according to the CBC, the NDP is a center-right conservative party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, I, compared to the Chinese Communist Party, I, yeah, the uh, NDP is to the right of it. Uh, but it's... It, it's a, it's a bit funny. Uh, there's also a few of the other kind of curiosities in how the CBC have um, kind of pegged the parties on their policy positions that, that are a bit strange, uh, like free speech and whatnot, for, uh, Jonathan. Yes. So the issue that uh, some people pointed out on Twitter is with uh, free speech so it ranks uh, the Alberta United Conservative Party as saying that there should be no limits when it comes to freedom of expression. So strongly agree. And it's evidence it cites for that is Alberta Premier, the Alberta UCP's uh, st- uh, st- support for uh, freedom of expression on an academic freedom in universities. You have to remember that a few months ago, Daniel Smith wanted to do a report card about the about universities defending freedom of expression. But it doesn't acknowledge that Smith isn't for absolute freedom of expression because she's suing the CBC for defamation. Another issue it identifies. Oh, sorry, is I, just, that, I, I, I want to make sense of that. That's still a bit muddled. Are, are, is what you're saying that the UCP is considered weak uh, on free speech relative? 
to being hardcore on free speech, that it's weaker on free speech because it's suing the CPC. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Because the way that Hope Compass worded it was it made it seem like it supports absolute freedom of expression. Similar to gun rights, it asked if there should be any limits on people owning guns. And it says that the UCP strongly disagrees with that. And its evidence is a tweet from Alberta Justice Minister and Attorney General Tyler Shandro saying that, uh, you know, like gun rights are important, but he doesn't say like absolute gun rights. Um, I did see from uh, Peter McCaffrey, who's a friend of us, that he was tweeting about how the CBC is mis mis uh, mistaking social conservative values for libertarian values. So, I mean, vote compass is fun to do. Like I enjoy doing it whenever an election happens, but it's, it can be inaccurate on some issues. Yeah. Uh, Nigel, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I, I think it is mistaking libertarian for social conservative values on some things or, or even li lumping them together. They're sometimes the same, sometimes not. Uh, like I, I have some pretty radical libertarian views. I think we should legalize most drugs and prostitution, things that uh, most social conservatives would probably very much disagree with me on. But it ranked me as an extreme social conservative, uh, right of the Attila the Hun. It had me in the ver very bottom right corner. Couldn't get any more mm -hmm. hardcore social conservative. Well, I think we could all validate that. Yes. It's <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, I, and I'm, uh, you know, strong. what's your point, Derek? What's your point? My, my, my point is, uh, uh, is this just that the CBC <clears throat> has no idea what different kinds of conservatives or libertarians are, or like, uh, is it? A, you think it's an honest mistake, or are they just don't know how to plot different kinds of conservatives? Well, I think first of all, I think it's a very honest mistake. I also think that. Um, this is kind of a parlor game, isn't it? You 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 get the you get the vote compass and you fill it out and then you flip the page and then it's there's fun. something else who'll tell you whether you're a winter or a spring and colors and so forth. And, mm. You know, it's a it's kind of fun at election time. Yeah, it's like getting this. your uh, um, it's you know what is it, uh, people who get their horoscope. It's like a it's a political yeah, it's like horoscope. Political horoscope. That's yeah. right. I mean, if you wanted to take it seriously, I could say, well, obviously, I could give you three reasons why Rachel Notley is nothing of a conservative, whether to just to the right or just to the left. No, no, she is over here. But the whole concept of right and left is actually a bit hard to hard to justify anymore. You say you're in the middle of the road. Well, where's the road going? Because, I mean, if well, the road's going over here, yeah. well, if you're in the middle of it, that's a whole lot different from where the if the road is. Well, it's changed over the years. Well, where the center is is always, always relative. Always I mean, relative. So when someone says I'm a centrist, yeah. I always call BS because what the center is changes by the day. Yep. Uh, I mean, what is center today was uh, radical hard left 10 years ago on some things. Um, you know something, Derek? I could have voted for JFK. Yeah. Because he represents a lot of values that I, I believe in. I couldn't vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, but that's how things change. Um, but Dave, it's, I, I would agree on, on the social stuff. It's extremely hard to peg people, especially, you know, if, if you just have straight social progressive and straight social conservative. OK, then you have a kind of a left right idea. But as soon as you put kind of libertarians into this, it, it throws the whole thing out the window. Um, but on economics, it's a bit more straightforward, generally. Bigger, more interventionist state versus smaller, less interventionist state. You can plot a generally smooth, relatively smooth left-right spectrum. And they peg the NDP as center-right. Um, do you think this the NDP kind of manipulated their own positions to appear center-right on this? Or is just, is, do you think this is the CBC 
carrying water. CBC getting something wrong? I'm shocked. Mm. I'm shocked. Uh, I, whatever the reason is, Derek, it's obviously wrong. They're not a centrist right party by uh, any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they're they're left wing. Uh, you know, they they may want to appear more centrist to try and attract that undecided voter uh, who may you know may be wavering to the UCP, and that's exactly what Daniel Smith talked about yesterday. Uh, she channeled her. Inner oh, you're Peter, talking. Uh, Rachel I'm Nottie. sorry, Rachel Notley. She channeled her uh, inner Peter Lougheed at a Calgary event, uh, appealing directly to those wavering UCP voters, saying, "Oh, you know, come on, I'm not that bad." Uh, but you know, when you take a look at take it deep down into her policies, yeah, she is that. Bad. I find it funny that she tries to channel Peter Lougheed when it was her own father who was the leader of the opposition against Peter Lougheed. Although he was leader of the opposition, albeit with two seats. <laughs> so, mm. as, as Nigel was just talking about JFK, times change. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's. Uh... I, I mean, to be fair to her, she didn't say that. It was an academic who obviously is an NDP water carrier, but he wrote this essay saying that they need to channel him. But you know, like, there's no doubt where the rhetoric leads you with the NDP. It leads you to the left. Just before we came on the show here, I ran this off their policy platform. They're talking about if elected, an Alberta NDP government will restore municipal funding that they complain was taken away by the UCP. Well, okay, that's a conservative position, but darn it, half of their NDP uh, candidates are police haters who've been involved in defund the police campaigns, not restoring funding. So there's a duplicity, a mendacity in, in the whole uh, approach that the NDP takes. They are not a right-wing party, but, but you even know, a little. I, I, don't, I don't mind... Parties trying to cloak themselves to be a little mushier and closer to the center to win votes. I mean, virtually every political party does that, and that's that's not a new thing. What gets me is the CBC buying it yes. and saying that yes. you know, and it, it just puts them like a centimeter onto the right, not not like right wing, but ever so slightly center right. Uh, it, it's just hard to, and even if you buy that Rachel Notley is the moderate in the party, even if you buy that. And that she is like the right, she's the you right wing. You don't buy that? Uh, no, no. Well, actually, I, I think uh, relative to most of the NDP, she probably is. Not by personal conviction, but by her political and pragmatic intelligence that says, yes. I have to do this to win in Alberta. Right. So, you know, I, th I think in her heart, she's still pretty dyed in the wool progressive leftist. But she knows this is Alberta. You're not going to win being yourself. So they're going to have to go over here. Uh, so even if you buy that, for practical reasons, she is the right wing of the NDP, everyone else is to her left. And, and that center of gravity is going to pull you somewhere, even if she has a lot of authority in that party to take it where it goes. I'm already looking forward to the uh, CBC vote compass for the federal election and where they're going to put uh, conservatives at them. Uh, off the map. On off the map. map. Yep. Off the map. Yeah, kind of down by you in the bottom corner. Yeah. You know, there's one thing we should mention on this left-right thing with the NDP. The just transition, where everybody loses their jobs and becomes truck drivers and uh, and janitors, that is government control. That is a left wing position. That it was their idea before even the federal liberals got onto it. Well, just transition did not make the CBC vote compass survey asking if people support just right. transition. Sure. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Um, so the next one, I, I guess, this is sort of in the semi-media realm. Uh, so we know that uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Rachel Notley uh, 
kind of made a big show of saying, I'm going to answer all questions from all reporters and their follow-up questions too. And then in the next breath says, and not from the Western standard because you're hateful and you hate gay people and you're racist and things like that. Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, that's just, that's kind of fair game for the left, uh, you know, progressive leftist politicians. You, if they disagree with you, well, you're homophobe, racist, Islamophobe, whatever. They, they, they throw those things out like, uh, like Halloween candy. Uh, but Rachel Notley took it to a whole new level yesterday. Rachel Notley was on um, the Chorus Radio Network 770 and uh, 630 Ched um, between Calgary and Edmonton and with Shea Ganim. And she, uh, actually, let, let's just play, uh, we're just going to play the clip for you right here. I was just going through your Twitter and you you tweeted out this morning, if Danielle Smith can't handle questions, she can't handle the job. It's that simple. Yesterday you tweeted out, Danielle Smith is hiding from the media on day two of the provincial election campaign, applying for a job and failing to show up for the interview. To me, there's a bit of hypocrisy here because there's a well-known columnist in Edmonton who's been with the Journal forever, who publicly stated this week that he's been told you won't be talking to him throughout the campaign. We've all seen video where you've refused to answer questions from certain reporters. You've had some reporters escorted out. How can you be critical of her not speaking to the media when we have evidence you've done the same thing? Well, I mean, first of all, let me just say that that I think it really is important that um, during an election campaign, a, a politician does make themselves available to the media, answers questions, and of course, uh, as I said, as you as you repeated, I do think that uh, you know, you when you apply for a job, you need to show up for the interview. Now, I don't know uh, honestly about the columnist you're referring to. There's there's no columnist uh, in Edmonton that we've said we won't speak to, um, and in fact, we're quite open to it is true however for sure um that there is one media um organization that uh, you know very conservative one which quite frankly i've been very happy to take questions from throughout my pretty much since it was established uh i think four or five years ago um and and that's been great uh because i do think it's really important the challenge with that one media organization however uh, is that a very short time ago they uh, writing a couple columns that amount to hate speech and it was directed at one of our MLAs and it was designed to incite hate um, against her on the basis of uh, her sexual orientation and so because of that we said listen that's that's too much um, you're going to have to retract it and we're happy to continue talking to you then but that is the only um, organization that we are having that conversation with and I'm happy to to have conversations with any other folks, uh, including uh, anyone you might be referring to in Edmonton. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll double, I'll, I'll circle back on that. It was pretty well documented earlier this week, um, so we'll see it. So there you have it. Um, so the Western Standard writing thing, uh, opinion columnists writing opinions that are not supportive of the NDP and its policies is hate speech and designed to incite hatred. Now, and, and she's using language there taken from the criminal code. So she's trying to compare Western Standard columnists who argue that hmm, perhaps, uh, you know, the identity politics of the hard left put into our schools around our children is not a good thing. And comparing that to, say, Robert Keekstra printing uh, uh, things saying we should gas the Jews. Jim. Yeah. Jim Keekstra, sorry. Yeah, uh, so yeah, we're, we're in the same boat now with guys calling for genocide because uh, some of our columnists think that eh, maybe 
drag queens should be a private affair and not something put into public schools. Um, uh, Nigel, you were you kind of kicked off this uh, row with Rachel Notley and uh, kind of exposing the hypocrisy around. I'll take questions from all of the media except for media that is critical of me. Uh, she's kind of taken this to a whole new level now, accusing us of a criminal level of hate speech. Yeah, well, you know, I have to hand it to Arthur Green, our Edmonton reporter, whose, whose response was quick. He said, well, at least Daniel Smith gives you one question. That is more questions than we ever have from, answered from uh, from Rachel Notley. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, she's flying out over the neighborhood here. Uh, I, I mean, she uh, she had somebody removed, uh, um, Keno Bexty. Keith Bexty. Okay, and then uh, a fellow from the Rebel News uh, was denied entry. That was just at the first event. Since then, some of our other reporters have shown up, tried to ask a question, shut down. She's gone after David Staples here. Uh, I, I admit, I don't know what the issue is with David Staples. It will seem like a very main line. When she's denied it. Uh, well. Yeah, she denied she, it on, on the Ganem show. Uh, David is an Edmonton Journal uh, columnist, for those who aren't aware. And he was removed from the NDP mailing list just like we were. So he has no idea when the press conferences are or, or whatever press releases come out. Uh, he, is, he is, but unlike us, if he finds out where a press conference happens to be and rushes over there, he is allowed to ask a question. Yep. Mm -hmm. So his banning is at a you know, minimum level of banning. We're at the full level of banning. He, he's and probably he, he's so. shadow banned. Shadow we're, banned. We're banned, banned. Yes, we're yeah. banned. So I think where this whole, like the nasty situation where this leads to, leads me to is this. What actually does the, um, does Rachel Notley and her party believe is the appropriate relationship between politicians and the media? Uh, do you get to pick who is, who you're going to answer questions to? That invites the sycophantic uh, relationship with, with media. And it, it does not bode well. If there was an NDP government, whether people would actually get to know the stuff they need to know to so, make a judgment. So let's government. talk about that. So that when the yeah. NDP was in government after 2015, they banned uh, the rebel from going. And I know the rebel's not a conventional media organization, but they do do media. They do, and they so yeah. do very well, yes. Yeah, so, uh, and they banned them. This created quite a firestorm eventually. Mm -hmm. they, they commissioned something called the Boyd Report. Uh, she's a, a veteran journalist from the Edmonton Journal. And it decided that, well, the press gallery should decide who's accredited at the legislature and who's not. It's highly imperfect because the press gallery can, can be gatekeepers. They can decide, well, no, this is our club. Um, but, but they let us in. It's important yeah. to say that we're yeah, members. Yeah, we are, we are accredited members of the press gallery. And I, I think it's probably the least terrible of options. It's still a terrible option because you have gatekeepers and the media can be very cliquey at times. Uh, but it's certainly a lot better than the politicians, the government and power of the day getting to decide who is, uh, who, who is media, who is not. Um, but this is kind of raising a, a new question that I th I'd be concerned the NDP is going down saying, well, fine, the press gallery can decide who is media. Uh, but we have a veto over that if we declare them to be hate speech. Mm -hmm. And because Rachel Nall use, has used some bizarre language, um, uh, she accused the Western Standard of violating the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Now, for grade nine students learning about the Charter in their grade nine law class, um, 
the charter applies to governments. It applies to the federal government, the provincial government, municipalities, and other government organizations like crown corporations. It does not apply to individuals. Dave is not required to hold an election every four years. Uh, Nigel is not required to uh, not discriminate against himself or some, things like that. It, it simply does not apply to individuals. It applies to governments to protect <clears throat> individuals from governments. So she's accused the Western Senate of violating the charter, which is a logical impossibility, but also of violating human rights codes, which are these bizarre things that can apply here. And, and she's used language implying we have reached a criminal level of hate. So we're, we're out there with people calling for gassing the Jews and uh, Rwandan uh, machete attacks and things like this. Um, Dave, would, would, would you be concerned that she's trying to maybe open the door to, fine, the press gallery determines who's press, but we get an extra veto over that. You can let them in, but we can kick them out? Sure, it's certainly a worry. Uh, if they do win the election and, and uh, Rachel Molly becomes premier again, uh, day one, we're still accredited members of the press gallery. Day 30, who knows? Uh, you know, at, at her victory press conference uh, in front of the, you know, in the media room at the legislature, will we be allowed in? Will we be allowed to ask questions? Um, you know, it's, it's, it certainly does open the door and, and it's worrying at this point. Uh, I'd also wonder if, you know, maybe they're going to open the door to further limitations on free speech in general. Um, uh, limitations on free speech, there are some pretty hard limitations on free speech in Canada. We do not actually have free speech, despite what the Charter says. Um, some of those restrictions might be a bit more reasonable, like people actually calling for the killing or harming of other groups. That is, I think, a reasonable limit. Uh, but the NDP have taken this to mean saying things that on behalf of some other group we find offensive. So, uh, you know, if a columnist of ours writes something and says, uh, you know, drag queen story time is not appropriate in public schools, the NDP can interpret that and say, well, you're creating hate and that's equivalent to calling for killing drag queens or something like that. Uh, do you think they're trying to open the door to maybe change hate speech codes, human rights codes, to maybe make these things outright criminal, to criminalize this kind of uh, this kind of speech? Yeah, I think. Oh, I, I think they would like to do that. I think they got a long way to go, but this is how it works. You'll get take the issue of uh, you, meant, you brought up drag queens. All right. Well, there were people who went to public libraries and stood outside with signs and sort of yelled at people, and. The mayor of the city of Calgary declared that to be hateful and uh, mm. passed a bylaw. Okay, so that she's not a. I don't think that Yoshi Gondek is a Danielle Smith reporter uh, supporter. I would place her to the left with his all the majesty and very authority of the call. CDC. You know, I mean, I, I I think she's on the left. Well, <clears throat> so she would have a, a strong supporter. What they do, they pass the law. And then you have to spend the money to challenge it and go through the process, and it takes 18 months. And meanwhile, they have made this uh, made this stick. The other thing is that I mean, there are uh, we we think that this is self evident, uh, self evidently wrong. But there are a lot of people. It's a different age that we live in today than I grew up in. A lot of people think this is just fine anyway, and would actually. <clears throat> and this is what I truly fear in Canada generally. But we're talking about Alberta. You've raised Rachel Notley. There are people who would say, no, 
we should not have free speech. Groups need to be protected from unfavorable opinions. It's very serious. It's very alarming. And uh, I do think that your fears are absolutely valid. All right. Uh, uh, Dave, before we go, uh, Dave, anything uh, we're expecting on the campaign trail today coming up? Uh, we're hoping there's a Rachel Notley event. No, <laughs> I haven't been able to find out. Uh, Daniel Smith is uh, holding a, a press conference likely in Calgary on Saturday. Uh, we'll be covering uh, the leaders wherever they are over the weekend and uh, keeping people up to date on the, uh, the wildfire situation, which is uh, very bad up north. If you have any tips about Rachel Notley's whereabouts, please email Dave, news at westernstandard.news. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we've, we've got our gumshoes with a picture of Rachel Notley on the wall beside uh, Bigfoot and uh, at Elvis here. We're trying to figure out where she is on any given day. Well, Dave and Nigel, thank you for joining us today. Have a good weekend. It was fun. And thank all of you for uh, for coming here. Uh, I suppose the, the King's coronation is... Uh, very... starts, starts at 2.20 a.m. Calgary time tomorrow. You... Set your alarms. I'm going to phone you to make sure you're awake. God, you're not going to have a job by Sunday. Uh... <laughs> these, these two Brits here, I'm sure you guys will be watching. I, I will settle for... Uh, the highlights uh, the next day. God, God save, save the, the king. king. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. If you're not yet a member of the Western Standard, go to westernstandard.news. Click on membership. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year. Gets you unlimited access to all Western Standard content. And remember, the Western Standard is the West's only government bailout free media organization. And we'd uh, be very grateful for your support. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a good weekend. And God bless. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada. And more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.